In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly King, Paraclete, Spirit of Truth, you who are everywhere present and fill all things, treasury of all that is good and master of life, come, dwell within us, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we're going to look at chapter 10 in the letter to the Romans. There are three chapters which treat of this question of the mystery of God's dealing with his people, the Jews. We did chapter 9 last time, and now we move on. Now this chapter starts with a line very similar to the one that we had in the last one. You may remember uh, the last one said, I speak the truth, I am not lying. My conscience joins this witness to the Holy Spirit. I have great sadness and constant pain in my heart. I could prefer to be cut off myself from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now he says, The desire of my heart and my prayer to God is for their salvation. I bear witness for them. They have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For not knowing God's justice, they seek to stand by their own. Now, this word justice is a difficult word to understand. And the way it's been used, and people have debated about it over the centuries. The basic word, tzedek, uh, means to honor the truth of every relationship. So when God promises and fulfills the promise, he's just because he's true to the relationship to himself. Nobody else can be the norm for God. So God's righteousness is, his justice, is that he honors his, his commitments. He's promised to love Israel. And he loved them enough to become one of them. And so, you see, not knowing God's justice, which is a pure gift, they seek to stand by their own. And that's the big mistake. We're not righteous because we do righteous things. We do righteous things because God has given us the gift to be righteous, you see. Not knowing God's justice, they seek to stand by their own. They are not submitted to the justice of God, which takes, you see, I trust you. Faith is faith, but it has an element in it. What about you have a rich uncle and he calls you up and he says, I'm going to give you $35,000 for Christmas. You say, oh, whoopee. Now you believe him. So you start acting, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to get rid of that couch and get a new one. I can trade in my car, get a new car. I can get great presents for the kids. I can, you see, you're already acting on the word of God, even though, because he's righteous, your uncle, he's going to come through. He's promised he's going to come through. You see? So that's kind of God's righteousness, you see? For Christ is the goal of the law, bringing about justice for every believer. That's the justice. That God has come and worked justice in our midst, and if we will acknowledge that and acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord, and that we, we, we reply to God with the right answer, the right truth of the relationship. And that's what Paul is arguing here, you see. For Christ is the goal of the law, 
It's not just the protection of Israel or the teaching of the law. Christ is the goal of the law, bringing about righteousness, the right relationship to God for every believer. So the key is belief. That's going to be the key notion of this chapter. See? For Moses writes concerning the justice that comes from the law, the one who carries these out will live from them. That's Leviticus 18.5. You're going to find, now that he's in this, as I mentioned before, how many times he'll quote the Bible. You find that same phrase in Galatians 3.12. All right. Regarding the justice that comes from faith, see, the justice that comes from the law, he who carries these out will live from them. Now the justice that comes from faith, he speaks thus, Do not say in your heart, Who will go up to heaven to bring, that is, to bring Christ down? Or who will go down to the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. And that's the word that we preach. So he's going, and these are all biblical texts, you see. That justice which comes from faith, don't say in your heart, who's going to go up to heaven to get it? You see? And that's a quote from Deuteronomy 9.4. Or to say, who's going to bring Christ down? Or who will go up to the abyss? I'm sorry, who will go down to the abyss? That's a quote from uh, probably Psalm 107, where the sailors are going down into the abyss. Um, that is to bring Christ down. That Psalm 107 is more like using biblical language. They're in a storm. You remember that? I think we quoted this someplace. Yes, no, a long time ago now. We did it when we were doing Romans. To John, I mean, in John 6, they went down to get into their ship and they faced a storm, exactly as the sailors in Psalm 107. So they go down to the abyss, you see? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. It's already in your heart. Just say it. I believe you, God. I believe that you've been, you know, with faith, as we're going to see in a minute, you see, uh, if you can, if you believe in your heart and confess, you confess with your lips and believe in your heart. It's a bodily thing and it's a spiritual thing. It's both. You see that Jesus is Kyrios. Jesus is Adonai. You see? Lord for us means boss. No. Lord means Lord. He's the Lord. He is Adonai. Well, the Father is Adonai and Jesus is Adonai. How do we? Don't worry. We're going to work that out. There's one God in three persons. And we know that from the teaching and the way that Paul and the others speak. This word, which is near you and in your mouth and in your heart, that's the word of faith we preach. What word is that? And now he gives this text. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Kyrios, Adonai, you see, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that you have to do something bodily and external, and you have to do something interior. One without the other won't do it. You can't say, I believe, I believe. No, you've got to really believe in your heart. But it's not enough to keep it in your heart. Now, why does he say with your mouth? Because the mouth is the most expressive part of the body. It's where our thoughts come out. If I go like this, it looks like I'm going to hit you. Well, maybe not. I'm just trying to get a fly off you, you see. But if I say I'm going to hit you, you see, much more intelligible. 
And so you see, the mouth is what commits us. Do you promise to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? I do. It's the I do that commits you. And so you've got to speak out your faith. People say, oh, I don't like going around talking about faith all the time and talking about God, you know. Oh, all the time, no. But you've got to be able, you see, because the mouth sums up your whole bodily action, if you will. It sums up your culture. And the heart sums up your whole inner being. So it says, you see, if you confess with your mouth, you've got to stand up and be counted. That's just the same as talking about culture, you know. You've got to stand up and be counted. If you stay, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be with God forever. But that's summing up all your confessions and all your bodily actions, you see. If I say these two things and then go live a uh, disreputable life, I won't be saved. If you do this, you've already made a commitment with your mouth. And that is important. And it can get to be more important, more and more important, if there's more and more pressure against Christians. You a Christian? Yes. You know? That's why there's an Arab expression, he has a big mouth. It means he speaks out what he thinks. You see? And then, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For by the heart, there is justification. And by the mouth, there is confession unto salvation. Now, justification and salvation. Justification is being in the right relationship to God, which is done by the work of the Holy Spirit in us, and we yield to it and believe. And by the mouth, that stands for the whole body. So if your inner being believes, accepts, you see, uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you're justified. But now your whole body has to live it. And that's summed up by your mouth. I'm saying mouth there, he means hands, feet, eyes, expressions, not just your mouth. It means giving to the poor. I believe in Jesus as Lord, and then you don't help anybody? Your mouth is saying it, but the rest of your body isn't. This is Semitic anthropology. If you believe in your heart, that means you believe with your whole being. If you confess with your mouth, it means you're committing your whole self to this, okay? And then he sums this up. This is about the fifth or sixth, oh my goodness, one, two, three, four. This is the fifth quote from Scripture, Moronium, verse 12. For the Scripture says, All who believe in him will not be put to shame. He's already quoted that in chapter 9. That's Isaiah 28, 16. It might help to see what he's doing, you see. You notice how well he knows the scriptures, really, you see. Remember, he's a rabbi, you know. Uh, he, he studied under Gamaliel, the best they had. Uh, and so, no, I'm looking for Leviticus um, 28.16. Just to give you the idea, the original contact of that, context of that. I went to 16 instead of 28. Okay. 
Therefore, thus says the Lord God, See, I'm laying a stone in Zion, a stone that has been tested, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He who puts his faith in it shall not be shaken. So it's the Messiah spoken about as a stone, foundation stone. I'm going to build a people. He is the foundation stone. So when you look it up, you see the background. He's saying, so he who believes in this foundation stone, who is Jesus the Christ, he shall be saved. See? All who believe in him will not be put to shame. And then he goes on, there is no distinction of Jew and Greek, for he is Lord of all, generous to all who call on him. And again a text, this one from Joel, for all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All. Now, when Joel wrote that, he meant all the Israelites. But Paul said, it's not just the Israelites. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see? I wanted to just give you... He's a rabbi. He knows these texts by heart. He's pulling them out of his head, I'm sure. He knows what he's doing. You know, this is personal. But when I was looking over part of my doctoral thesis, where I quoted a lot of rabbinic texts, the Talmud, the Midrash, and so forth. I went down to the library, and I was in the Jewish section of the library with these great big tomes, all in Hebrew, checking my references. Everybody else at the table had big poyot, peyot, and a black hat, and a beard. They were all Jewish rabbis or scholars, and here I was, not one of them, obviously. They looked over their glasses at me for a while, but they were very warm, very gracious, you know. Who's this goy coming in to read our books, see? Okay, 